Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The pre-med year, session number 508. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a great story of a pastor turned pre-med and now a medical student at 49 years old. It's an amazing story. Stick around. Before we jump in, though, I want to talk about the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. If you have not signed up for your MCAT and you're taking it at the beginning of the year, January, March, April, there's no dates in February, you need to go register. Go sign up for a free account over at blueprintmcat.com and use their free study planner tool to know what your schedule will look like. It's a free account over at blueprintmcat.com. Use their amazing free study planner tool to understand what your schedule is going to look like so you can successfully navigate that MCAT journey and crush the MCAT, if anyone actually does that. Let's go ahead and jump into our episode with Antonio today. Again, a 49-year-old first-year medical student. It's an amazing story. Antonio, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Dr. Gray, for having me. I'm excited to be here today. I'm excited for you to be here so I can learn from you and so others can learn from you. Sure. When did you realize that you wanted to be a physician? Well, I have the most, uh, I guess, roller coaster ride story that you'll probably ever hear. But uh, at 15, I had a heart attack. Uh, what? I was um, at church one Sunday morning. And I collapsed, had a heart attack. This was uh, 1988. So that kind of shows my age a little bit there already. But I um, rushed to a hospital. They uh, found no pulse. There's a nurse that said she saw a pupil reflex and she begged them to have me airlifted to Jackson, Mississippi, uh, to St. Dominic's Hospital. And I um, was revived there and ended up staying in the hospital for seven days while they tried to figure out why I suffered that heart attack, which we never came to any real conclusion. But during that time, uh, the cardiologist allowed me to follow him around the hospital. And so I'm, you know, I'm just this little scrawny kid following this doctor around the hospital and he's introduced me to his patients and he's letting me see him chart notes and, you know, listening with the stethoscope and everything and, you know, it was just, you know, that experience for me was like a little kid, you know, in a candy store. And I'm yeah. Like, I want to do what he's doing. Yeah. Okay. So bear with me. Yeah. 1988. Yes. 15 years old. Yes. Have you been in a coma for a long time and that's just now why you're starting med school? <laughs> what <laughs> what happened in between? <laughs> I wish that were the case. So, you know, I... um I come from a military family. My my father was a career military man, 25 years in military, Vietnam. And so, you know, up to that point, that's what I wanted to do. You know, to give some more context to that, my father was the 12th of 12 boys. He had 11 brothers. Wow. They all served in the military. So, you know, when you grow up seeing men in uniform, it's kind of like, you know, it rubs off on you. That's what I want to be. But yeah. because I had that heart attack, that was kind of out of the picture. Couldn't do military. And so... Um, I actually went to college as a pre-med biology major. Mm -hmm. And then uh, 1994, I ended up feeling like uh, I was called to ministry. So I took a mm -hmm. drastic turn, went to study theology. 
So uh, I actually uh, ended up going into ministry as a uh, minister. I'm a musician, so I was a church musician. You know, I was an associate pastor, youth pastor, and uh, I decided I wanted to finish finish the biology degree because I started it. You know, at this point I'm three years in. I'm like, you know, I might as well finish what I started, and uh, you know, just a series of difficulties. I had a knee injury, tore my patella ligament, shattered my patella took me out of school for a semester. So now I'm, you know, a year behind. Later, 1995, my mother diagnosed with breast cancer and she eventually succumbs to that. So, you know, that took me out of semester. So now I'm really behind. And finally in 1997, I decided, you know what, it's gonna pursue full-time ministry. This science thing's not working out for <laughs> Obviously, somebody's telling me not to do this. Yeah, the universe <laughs> is saying, this is not for you or this is not the time. Yeah, yeah. So you, you go full-time ministry. You're right. out there doing the good work. Right. At what point were you like, this is not where I'm supposed to be? So around 2006, and it's still that's still a long time ago. Yeah. Um, it's just the strangest thing happened. So at this point, I'm an uh, assistant pastor. I'm the second guy in charge. My pastor's getting ready to retire. He's going to turn the church over to me, and my wife and I are going to pastor full-time. We're going to go to the Wild Blue Yonder. I wake up one Sunday morning, and I had this thought, I'm not a doctor. I went into the deepest depression that I've ever been in my life. It just came out of nowhere. I mean, I hadn't thought about medicine for several years. Mm. And I went into a depression for about three months. Wow. For not having gone to medical school. And that was the only thing. And so I told my wife, you know, something's telling me I got to go back. So at, the, at that point, I was in Bentonville, Arkansas. Okay. And, you know, home of Walmart. Home of Walmart, of course. Very affluent <laughs> area. I was yeah. doing well as a pastor, you know, financially. Um, just had our first child and I walked into the office and I told my pastor, I got to go and went there, back. There was, my... there was no option to, to pursue there both at the same time. Nothing at all. Nothing. It's just like, I got to go. I got to stop this and go do that. Wow. Something in, in me is pulling me towards that. So, so let, let, let me pause right there. You had a kid, just had a kid. Yeah. You're married. Yes. What is that conversation like with your wife? Like, hey, honey, like, I'm so quitting my job. I, have, I hope yeah. we have enough money. Like, what, what's going on? You know, I have to have either the most supportive or the most disillusioned wife <laughs> in the universe. A little both. Uh, so I, I said, you know, because oh, here's the strange thing. My wife was also a pre-med major. We met in college in the biology class. Yeah. She ended up changing her major. She uh, went towards business and she got her MBA, University of Arkansas. And so she kind of understood, you know, where I was in that. Um, I, I left some signs along the way. I never sold back any of my science textbooks from college. <laughs> I dragged them around with me everywhere I went. <laughs> you know, uh, I still have them to this day. That's awesome. And uh, so, uh, you know, I said, you know, this is something. At a bare minimum, I want to at least finish my biology degree, yeah. and then we'll see where it goes. But I, I, I think that, you know, it's it's a calling. It's something's pulling me to it, and I can't shake it. And so she decided, you know, whatever you want to do, I'm with you. And so uh, she was going to stay there. I was going to go back to Mississippi. So I went to the small school, Tougaloo College. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. In rural Mississippi, uh, Jackson, Mississippi. Um, they would not allow me to finish my credits outside of the school because they had a rule that you have to finish your last 30 credits there. So, you know what? I'm going to go back to Mississippi. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock it out. You know, I have about, you know, 18 hours left. Get there. They say, you know what? You've been out of school for eight years. Those credits don't count. Uh... None of your science credits count. So essentially in 2006, I started the four-year journey well, it actually turned out to be four years. It was two years of science classes. You know, I've done all my general ed, so I'm good with those. Started Bio 101 all the way back. Yeah. Did, did you explore? Four years. 
Yeah. Did Did you explore going somewhere else? Going, I'll just transfer my credits somewhere else. Did you Did you explore another school taking those credits? So I I, I did, but I also so I, I knew that with those most schools after five years those science credits don't transfer. General eds will, but not the science. Especially if you're uh, on a pre med track, which that school was. Most schools today, I don't know if they have pre med tracks like they did those days. It's either biology, chemistry, physics, whatever. Yeah. And so, um, but I also knew that my school had a very good track record of sending students to medical school. So, Tubu College has a, um, a, I guess, a bridge program with Brown University and some yeah. other schools. And so, the, the name, even though it's a very small school, students, from Tougaloo do well in yeah. medical school. So, so just to be clear, you moved away from your wife and kid during this time. I did. I did. How far away? So it's it's about eight hours. Okay, so it's it's not like across town. We'll just commute. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And and you did that for how long? So I, I was there in Mississippi from 2006 to 2008, and um, I was going to school part-time at night. I was working uh, in a, a men's uh, clothing store, and my wife came in 2008. She wanted to you know, be together, of course, and so she moved yeah. the daughter there, and I was in Canton, Mississippi, which is very close to Tougaloo, um, and it took me the four years working you know, full-time and going to school part-time to retake all those classes. Yeah. Um, to finally finish that degree. And because I left biology to go to theology, the biology grades weren't so great. So when I left to Blue College, I had a 2.5 science GPA. Mm. And even though I did well when I went back, you know, you can get all the A's you want if you have 2.5. Yeah. It's not hardly going anywhere. So yep. I, I ended up with a 2.85 okay. with the biology degree. Okay. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, you know, you're, you're not really going anywhere with that, but you finished. You know, yeah. that's what you came here to do. You finished. You finished. So so, so let me ask, you're, you're on this track. You're working full time. You have this idea of going to medical school. You're finishing your biology degree. Was anyone there saying like, look, Antonio, this is this is not in the cards for you, whether it's your GPA, whether it's you're you're not proving yourself enough because you're only taking classes part time and not full time. Did did anyone sow seeds of doubt in you during that time? Other than um, yourself? Not, not anyone, but everyone. Yeah. <laughs> everyone except my wife. So even my so my original pre-med advisor, um, who I met in 1991. So I ended up going to the school uh, during a summer science program after my senior year. And so that program was designed to kind of persuade African-American males to go towards medicine. Yeah. Besides the fact that my father said, you know, two weeks after graduation, if you don't have a job in the military or, or in college, then you're going to the military because you can't stay home after two weeks after graduation. You got to have one of the three. So <laughs> that was forced to get out. So I, I, I opted to go to that summer program where I met my pre-med advisor. And, you know, all during school, I kind of struggled. You know, I, I went to a small rural high school, Mississippi. You know, Mississippi is dead last in education. And then to go to a rural school in Mississippi is, is even worse. So I kind of struggled in the sciences. But I just, I had this determination, this resilience, you know. Mm -hmm. if, if, if I get all C's, I'm, I'm going to major in biology because biology is what I love. And he just, he kept telling me, you know, maybe, maybe ministry is your thing. Maybe teaching is your thing. This, you know, this, this is just not for you. And I see you struggling and I, I he's like, I'm hurting for you Yeah. <laughs> because I see the struggle and I know you want to be better, but for some, he's said for some people it's it's just not the way to go. Let, let me ask you a question, Mr. Theology Minister Man. <laughs> Why do we often equate struggle with you shouldn't do it? So I, I think for a, a lot of people, it's the litmus test. It, it's like, if it's easy for me, then that's that's the thing that I'm called to. Like, you know, if it's easy, then 
that's a sign to me that this is what I should be doing. Yeah. But uh, I I think also, you know, sometimes when you struggle, that's uh, the test to see if that's really where you want to be and what you should be doing. Yeah. So now I'm not saying that I never had a doubt. I, you know, there were, there were plenty of times that oh, yeah. I doubt, you know, um, I remember moving from my, you know, my nice four bedroom, three bathroom home into a uh, kind of a, a house that was chopped up into three bedrooms and one bathroom, tiny bathroom with my wife. And, uh, and then 2008, we got pregnant with our second child, I forgot to mention that, you know, and so, uh, yeah, there, there was plenty of doubt, but, you know, I kind of understood what the end goal was, you know, let's just finish this and see what happens. And then there's the people who said, you know, you know, you went back to school at 33, you got your bachelor's at 37, you know, um, the rat's on the wheel, but it's not running, you know, it's, it's <laughs> the rat's on the wheel, it, but it's not running. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like people have the best intentions. Yeah. You know, uh, they want to tell you what they think is good for you because they don't want to see you get into a, a spot where you're kind of stuck. So I understood that, but it's, it's so interesting. Like failure is so demonized in our culture. It is like, I hate, I, I loathe everyone gets a trophy mentality. Like right. we need right. to fail because right. failure is a part of life and we need to learn how to handle failure from a very early age. And I just, it is, it's bad. It's bad for our country. Yeah. It's bad for us. So I, don't I think, know. you know, I grew up in an era where, Parents allowed their kids to tough some things out. Yeah. You know, uh, now it's it's what they call the helicopter. You know, whenever mm -hmm. you struggle, the helicopter comes in, you give them what they need, you pick them up. And, you know, I was I was raised, you know, in tougher times where every bad experience wasn't trauma, if, if that makes any sense. You yeah. know, a kid falls off his bike, he gets hurt, he's traumatized, he never wants to get back on a bike again. I fall off my bike, my dad dusts me off, you know, puts a little spit on it and get back on and ride again. So yeah. I, I just think it's different times, you know, um, but yeah, failure is definitely demonized and, and people take um, a hard stance against it. Yeah. And they use that as a litmus test to whether something is going to work or not. And that's definitely not, the, I'm a testament to that, that not yeah. being the case. Yeah. All right. So you threw out some numbers there. You graduated with your degree at 37, 39, whatever it was. You're much older than that. What? Did you slip into a coma then? Like what? What, what prevented you from, or, or maybe you did at that time. Did, did you apply to medical school back then? Or did you know? No, I, I did not. I, I did not apply because, so simultaneously, this, this is the craziest stuff you're going to ever hear. <laughs> I'm telling you, my, my, it's like a roller coaster. So, in 2008, so I'm, I'm still in ministry. Yep. I planted a church, like from the ground up. My yeah. wife and I started a church. We also started a nonprofit youth mentoring program okay. at the same time. And uh, because Mississippi was having such a shortage with teachers, I started teaching high school science on an emergency license. So I, I did not have my degree at that time. Um, I did not have a teacher's education license at that time. Yeah. But I needed to work. You know, the church that I pastored was very small. It's making one hundred and fifty dollars a week. Uh, my wife, like I said, was pregnant with our second child, so she wasn't working at all. And, you know, I'm I'm still taking classes at night while teaching school full time, pastoring full time and running this nonprofit full time. This was pre-graduation. This was pre-graduation. Okay. Yes. And so. um I, I I just got to a point where when I was mentoring those kids, I was like, I don't want to tell you to do something that I'm not doing. Yeah. You know, I'm telling you, if you start something, finish it. Then I want to, you know, be the living example of what I'm telling you to do, not just pushing you. And, you know, where I come from, a very small rural town, most people don't make it out. Yeah. You know, if they do, it's through the military or it's through a, you know, a sports scholarship or it's, it's never academic or, you know, something of great acclaim. Yeah. Why do all of those things? You're, you're working at a clothing store 
right. I think you said. Right. That's that's where the income's coming from. You're going right. to school part-time. Yeah. Why distract yourself with all of the other stuff when your goal seemingly was medicine? Well, the goal was medicine, but the reality was life. Okay. You know, you, you, it's, it's just a struggle of existence, so to speak. You know, I, I know that I'm trying to do this, and how much can I... Um, do simultaneously and do it well. And, and again, you know, at this point, I still have medical school in the back of my mind, but the, the end goal is to finish the biology degree and then see where it goes. And so it's it's like, it's a necessary distraction, so to speak. Like, All right, so, so let, let me, I'm gonna pause you. What I yeah. hear from you is you weren't convinced that you were going to medical school. And so at you were point. keeping lots of options open. It, it, yes. Okay. So, yeah. You know, I could work my way up to manage this, this suit store and, you know, yeah. take a salary from that. But at some point, you know, there's going to be a program. There's going to be something. There's going to be a door that opens and I'm, I'm going to be a, a doctor. OK, so you were convinced you're going to be a doctor. Still, yeah, still. All right. All right. Oh, maybe I'm misreading. OK, so <laughs> you graduate with your degree. Right. What what were those next steps? You're. Did you go right back into ministry and teaching? Did you stay so, in that world? Stay, stayed in ministry, stayed in the teaching. Um, I graduated in 2012, and I decided, you know what? Next, if if, if this is going to happen, the next big hurdle is an MCAT. So <laughs> now, by this time, I'm so disconnected. And let me say this: when I was in undergrad, 1994, I took the MCAT, bombed it terribly in my junior year. And uh, that that kind of put a dark cloud over me because this is the old MCAT. So, you know, this is the like, like 1920 old. bombed it like <laughs> like like. Yeah, yes, uh, not not 1920 so, uh, the year, uh, like 1920 uh, score. <laughs> 45. Yep. And I, my score was a 22. OK. All right. That's, so, uh, that's uh, better I mean, than I thought. On the yeah. left side of the bell curve, but <laughs> it's the top left. I got a 27. <laughs> I wasn't that far ahead of you. <laughs> So, you know, that is kind of, but it's my junior year. I knew I could re, could have retaken it, but then yeah. at that point, the call for ministry was was heavier. So yeah, that was kind of like one of those things, well, you didn't do well, so that must be the universe telling you. Yeah. Go this other okay. So uh, back in 2012, graduated, and I'm thinking MCAT's ahead of me. Um, I'm going to take a full year to study for the MCAT, but I'm still teaching full time still pastoring full-time, still running this nonprofit full-time. Uh, by this time, my wife, you know, we've had the second child, so she's back to work. So that takes a little of that stress off. Mm -hmm. And I'm working eight in the morning. My job's, you know, 45 minutes away. So hour and a half commute. And I get home uh, around four o'clock, eat, spend some time with my family. Uh, kids go to bed about eight o'clock. And then I study from eight to midnight, and then I get my lesson plans ready for the next day, go to bed about one o'clock in the morning, get up the next day, do it all over again, did that for a year. So my father-in-law got sick, and I ended up not being able to take the MCAT. Mm. So I didn't take it in 2013, decided to take it at the end of 2014. He passes away, so you know my wife now is in emotional distress, so I waived the NCAT, said, I'm not going to take it this year, you know, spend some time with my wife, get her through this, this hump. At this point, she gets pregnant with our third child because, you know, I'm doing the consolation. <laughs> <laughs> and so I decide, you know, I'll, I'll just take this time off study. Now I got two years of study and I'm rebelt. Yeah. Kill it. This is the transition from the old MCAT in 2014 to the yep. new MCAT in 2015. Yep. So I took it being prepared for the old MCAT. I never took sociology or psychology in undergrad. And it showed another, another <laughs> MCAT bomb. Yeah. So, you know, it's the, what is this? The scale is 528, I think is the highest. Yep. That first MCAT, I made a 484. Okay. And it was just, all oh, right. that was just, so. Oh. So, Antonio, you got you got a twenty-two, yeah, a four eighty-four, 
which yeah. I think a 22 may actually be higher than a 484. It's much higher. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm tr- trying to think of that. I look at the scale 44 yeah. at uh, 17 on the old scale. Yeah. <laughs> at what point did you have a conversation with yourself, with God, with your wife, with whoever would listen to say, like, this, this isn't in the cards for me? I had that in my head, but what's in my head just didn't line up with what's in my heart. Yeah. And my heart keeps saying, okay, well, and then the other thing, I knew that I didn't do terrible, terrible because I was unprepared. I prepared for the wrong test. Yeah. You know, I, I, I did not prepare for the 2015 version. I prepared for the 2014 version. And so, <laughs> How dare you use logic? <laughs> my thing was, you know... <laughs> Back to your drawing board. Yeah. So my father-in-law passes away, and uh, my mother-in-law has some health challenges, so we moved from Mississippi now back to Arkansas. Mm. And um, I'm thinking, you know, got to start studying for the MCAT again. So, uh, <laughs> Here we go again. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, in, Ar- I'm in, in Arkansas. My Mississippi license, I'm waiting for reciprocity so I can teach. I'm living mm. with my mother-in-law, with my wife, and my three kids. You know, it's just for me, that was very unsettling. You know, I got to get some money, get out of here, show that, you know, my life, my existence, you know, up to this point hasn't been a total waste, that I have yeah. some skills, some things that I can do. Um, I'm out of ministry at this point. You know, I'm out of pastoring, still in ministry. So um, my license, oh, my license expired. So I couldn't transfer it to Arkansas. Mm. So now I have to go through the whole Arkansas program to get recertified to teach in Arkansas. So I'm at rock bottom. I take a job in construction. So I'm putting up sheetrock and painting and doing whatever I can, you know, to help my mother-in-law, my wife, my three kids now. And I was in Barnes and Noble one day and I saw the <laughs> Kaplan seven book set of uh, MCAT prep and it's, you know, $300. I didn't have $300, but I did have a discover card. So I, I got the Kaplan books and I started to study. Um, at that time. So finally, this is fast forward to 2017. Uh, finally get my license. You know, I've been doing construction and doing some substitute teaching on the side. And, uh, you know, I'm studying for the MCAT and my principal at my school says, you know what? I got an assistant principal is leaving next year. You can go to Arkansas State, get this master's in educational leadership, and we can get you out of the classroom, put you into this leadership role. Salary will drastically, you know, increase and you'll get all the benefits. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, MCAT, I'm studying. I'm still living with my mother-in-law. What do I do? So I'm going to, I'm going to take this offer. You know what? I'm just going to milk it. I'm going to ride this you know, principalship position and get myself back financially stable. And, you know, I, I raise my cutoff. If I don't get into medical school by 50, I'll leave it alone. <laughs> you know, at this time, I'm 47. If I don't get into medical school by 50, I'll leave it alone. So I need a recommendation letter to get into this other program. Mm. One professor that I have left from my undergrad that I can get a letter from. <laughs> and so remember, remember, I went back to school at 33. So I write her this letter. Hey, you remember me? I'm, I'm trying to get into this program. And she says, yeah, I remember you. I do remember you telling me, though, you were in ministry and, and you wanted to do something in medicine. Are you still thinking about medicine? So, well, you know, it's in the back of my mind. I didn't tell her anything about MCAT, you know, because at this point I'm trying to get a letter to get into this other program, non-medicine. She says, well, I'll tell you what, here's a program at the University of uh, Mississippi Medical Center here, it's a master's in biomedical science. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you ever decide that you want to pursue medicine, I think this would be a good jumping point. You get back in the classes, get a master's degree, and then, you know, that will boost your GPA, probably get you to medical school. So the deal was, if you apply to this program, I'll write you the letter of recommendation. You can use it for both so you know what happens 
I applied to both programs. I get into both programs. Now I got to decide which one am I going to do. <laughs> I can take this principalship, jump up to $90,000, you know, Northwest Arkansas, of course, you know, mm -hmm. or I can struggle more in class. I chose the struggle route. So my family still, my mother-in-law, I decided I'm going back to Mississippi, University of Mississippi Medical Center to pursue this master's in biomedical science. And I did that. Left my wife and three kids in Arkansas. Went to live with my... And, and mother-in-law. Don't forget the mother-in-law. And, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I, I did this, you know, degree. I didn't do great, but I did, you know... So here's the program. It's a portal program. Yep. Mississippi, if you, you know, get this master's, graduate with a three... Point four or higher, mm. and you've already taken the MCAT, you don't have to retake the MCAT and you can apply to medical schools. Not guaranteed that you will get in, but you can apply and yeah. you'll get preference because you've done the program at our school. Yeah. So I do the program, I get a 3.4. I don't, you know, I had been out of school so long at this point, it's kind of like, <laughs> and, you know, I'm in this master's program. This was the year that Governor Bryant decided that. University of Mississippi Medical Center is no longer going to take out-of-state students. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so there's that answer. There's, so there, there's right, answer let, that. Let, let me stop you, Antonio. <laughs> you, you're zigzagging back and forth between Arkansas, Mississippi. Yes. You're, you're crisscrossing jobs. You're, what were you doing, if anything, to keep that dream or thought or whatever it was of medicine in your heart? Were you getting clinical experience? Were you putting yourself around patients? Or was it just something that was there and never went away and no matter what, it, it was just there? It was the second one. It was just something that was there that never went away. Now, prior to that, I had uh, I had become what in Mississippi was called a direct care worker. Mm -hmm. I was in the CNA program that was um, licensed through the Mississippi State Hospital there, which in Mississippi is a mental facility. Mm -hmm. So I had done that, had some clinical experience several years ago. It was old clinical experience, but I had worked in the hospital. Um, I had been what used to be called an orderly. I don't know if, mm -hmm. if that's a term that's thrown around anymore, but I was an orderly at the Baptist Hospital, uh, coincidentally, where my mother passed away. I was an orderly at that hospital when she passed mm -hmm. away. And so, uh, you know, that was there. But, you know, it's, I don't know how, you know, in, in theology, we call it the calling. Mm -hmm. It's just something that you have to do. It's like, I cannot leave this world without at least trying yeah. To pursue this. Yeah. And so I wasn't working in the hospital. Um, I didn't have the, you know, besides my old experience, didn't have any hospital contacts. You know, I was working in a clothing store, working in school. Yeah. But something was just still calling me towards that. When when you would lie awake at night and and picture Antonio as a doctor, was it financial stability that you were chasing? Was it seeing yourself taking care of other disadvantaged minority patients because maybe you saw that as a kid what what did you see yourself doing as a physician so for me uh it was more about um community health advocacy if that makes any sense mm -hmm. I, i've seen a lot of people uh in rural areas particularly um suffer with their, their health because they weren't adequately educated about their health yeah uh, they didn't have the resources and then in some of those communities, uh, unfortunately, if you don't see someone who looks like you, um, you you don't have the trust factor. Yeah. You know, and again, this rural Mississippi, uh, just to put that into context, that um, I, I saw my mother suffer uh, with breast cancer, uh, three different types of cancer. She had breast cancer, lung cancer, and ovarian cancer mm. uh, during my childhood. Uh, a lot of my uncles where you know i had 11 uncles uh you who suffered with diabetes strokes mm -hmm. heart attacks um just for a lack of education about how to take care of their bodies and and then not having physicians who cared enough to really help them when they needed it yeah so that those were some of the motivating factors uh including my own heart attack at you know the age of, of, of yeah. 15 
of course. And so th those are the things that I thought about at night, like who's who's going to go here? Who's going to come here? Who wants to live where there's no resources? Who wants to live where the schools for the kids are not great? Yeah. You know, who wants to live where there is no financial resources? As far as the finances, uh, there are several things that I could do to make more money than doctors. So that was <laughs> one of the things, you know, um, uh, even in construction in Northwest Arkansas, you know, that there's millions of dollars available for yeah. construction. You know, um, my nonprofit, you know, there was grant money available to pay myself a salary. So it, it wasn't so much, you know, about the, the money thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's fast forward to when you're you're finally ready to apply. When when was that for you that you're like, okay, I'm finally throwing my hat in the ring here? So in uh 2019, I finished that master's program. Yep. Uh retook the MCAT. That's a, a, another whole story, but uh <laughs> didn't do great. Um, you know, again, top left of the bell curve. So, uh, but it was a significant increase uh, from 44 to 495. Wow. And so I was like, this is not great, but, you know, I studied hard and uh, this was the summer after. So I only studied from May till September. I took it at the very last date that you could take it in September mm -hmm. to give myself enough time to study. And, you know, I had, you know, a, a significant increase, um, still not great, but trending upward, as they would say, yep. you know, GPA is trending upward, everything's trending upward. And I think because of my age, that helped, you know, here's an older guy who's making these great marks. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know what? I've done the masters. I've retaken the MCAT. Am I competitive? Probably not. Mm -hmm. 3.4, 4.95, not good numbers. But this is what I've been working for. So you know what? We're going to throw it to the wind, see what happens. So I, I applied to eight schools, okay. um, two MD, six DOs. Okay. Yeah, I've been hearing, you know, MDO, M, uh, DO schools are a little bit easier maybe to get in. I, I don't know if that's true or not. So I get seven rejections and one uh, interview. And that okay. one interview was at a DO school. So uh, that interview, I, I didn't apply to September, got the notice for an interview in November, wow. um, interviewed in January. Okay. <laughs> so the, the latest, you know, I'm, I'm just at the end of everything. Yep. And so I got waitlisted, of course, because it's January and then uh, March denied. Okay. So I said, you know, it is what it is. I know what I need to do. You know, my my GPA is what it is, yep. but I think I can I can do better on my MCAT. Okay. So I, I took all four of the full length AAMCs. Our first one, 500. Second one, 500. Third one, 506. Fourth one, 507. So I'm thinking, you know, I take this again. If I drop five points from 507, I'm at 502. Now, I'm, you know, at the top of the bell curve. So I'm a little bit better. So, uh. I decided, you know what, maybe I need to beef up this application. I've been listening to Dr. Gray. I need to go and get me some more, some new clinical experience. So I get into a medical assistant program. It's a uh, four-month program, and I'm studying for the MCAT again. Mm -hmm. So I land a medical assistant job. That was the end of 2019, November. And, uh, you know, just in case I didn't get into med school, I'm going to have the MA. So I get the MA job. And COVID hits early mm. 2020. In July of 2020, I get an email. It's from school that I got rejected. The one interview that I had, the school that I got rejected, and they say, guess what? We're starting a new master's of biomedical science program. And it's an offer that you can't refuse. So, you know, you, you come in, you get a 3.5 or higher, you don't interview again. Don't take the MCAT, you're in. So talk to my wife again. You know, now at this point, we've got teenagers. Yeah. Uh, Six-year-old son, 13 and 11, or preteens. I think this is the one. This, this is open door, you know. 
uh, they interviewed me. I was on their wait list. You know, uh, if somebody had dropped out, maybe I would have gotten in. I'm, I'm, I'm that close to the door. <laughs> so, and I, I already have a master's of biomedical science. This is going to be a cakewalk, you know. Mm, already, of you course. Know, Easy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's got a research emphasis. You know, I'm going to do some research. I could possibly get published. You know, what's to lose besides another $35,000? Mm-hmm. So I accept it. I, I get into this program. Um, at the time, now I'm, I'm working for a DO. So I'm working for a DO and a nurse practitioner in a DO family medicine clinic. I'm scribing for this uh, DO. And, you know, when I was doing the medical assistant, they have all these certifications you can get. So, you know, if you're a medical assistant with a phlebotomy certification, you can make so much more money. If you're a medical, you know, with the EKG certification. You can, so I did the phlebotomy. I did the EKG, you know, and I, I did the uh, records. I did all three. Mm -hmm. And before getting this notification for the master's program, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go full in with this. So I decided to go back to Allied Health School Get my X-ray tech. Like, <laughs> you just like paying so, tuition. I think I think we've we've figured out the this secret. Is, this is not cheap stuff. So no, I mean, I'm not. already like 120 grand in the hole from two masters in in all these other programs. Yeah. And so um, I, I start this program while I'm still doing X-ray tech. So I'm doing X-ray tech at night. I'm doing masters online during the day because COVID, everything's virtual. Uh, I fail first semester. Mm. And I have to remediate. But because I failed first semester, the offer's off the table. I lost my seat. So you can finish the program to get your master's, but you will have to reapply and you will have to mm. probably retake the MCAT. Finish. I'm, I'm going to finish. So that why? first semester. Why? why? Why finish? Finish where you started. Who cares? This is This is the open door. This, this is what but it wasn't an open door. They closed the door on you. This this is what you prayed for. This is what you've been <laughs> fighting for. You know, you're uh, 48 at this point now. You know, um, you, you, you've you been telling your kids, this is what you're going to do. And telling your kids, once you start something, you don't start. Ah, you're trying to set an example. See, the kids ruin everything. <laughs> <laughs> and... You know, it's just, I don't, I can't explain it. But yeah. I know you're thinking at this point, you got to be nuts. You just got to be nuts. Well, I, I don't think you're, I don't think you're nuts for continuing down this path. I think it's, I think it's crazy to, to stay in that program, right? Because yeah. to me, the only reason you're in that program is for a, a nice, easy walk into medical yeah. school. And if yeah. that's not there anymore, just go get a better MCAT score. Don't, don't pay an extra 20, 30 grand in tuition, whatever it was. To, to finish. So, so here's the thing, you know, I, I developed some relationships. Okay. And, and the relationships are important. Yep. So agree. Yeah. I, I talked to the director of the program and I said, you know what? So, well, let me say before, before I get to that. So I took <laughs> that first semester over. I, I didn't fail the first semester. I failed one class, but that yeah. one class was the, the one that you had to pass to get to the second semester. So at five A's and one F. And those five A's were perfect 100s. Yeah. I made no grade less than a 100 in those other five classes. The one class that I didn't pass was a 69.44, and you needed a 70 to pass. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, so I, I talked to the program director. I said, you know, the program's online. I was doing two programs at the same time, doing x-ray tech and you guys' program. You know, all my kids are at home because of COVID. Everything's virtual. You know, I'm, I'm totally distracted every day. Yeah. And um, it wasn't for academic reasons that I didn't do well. It was just environment. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you know my work. You've seen what I can do. So let me go through this program. And then at the end of the program, we we will decide whether, you know, the offer still on the table. So finished the program, uh, bumped my GPA up to now 3.8, um, and I reapply. So I went ahead and put the application in because you can always update with your MCAT score later. Yep. I reapply with the 495. Um, 
uh, 3.8 masters, two masters programs now, and I'm waiting. So I go to take the MCAT, 502, scores way up there. You have to get uh, permission to update your application, you know, after the cycle closes. So, yep. right in, you know, I need permission for, for you guys to open, not, not through the, um, not through AMCAS or Acomas, yeah. but through the school specifically, yeah. update my score. Okay, we'll send you the letter. And that was a Friday. So I'm waiting over the weekend to get the letter. Yeah. 502. Monday morning, open my email. Congratulations, you've been accepted to the class of 2026 at NYITCOM, Arkansas. No, so no interview. I didn't need to take the MCAT again, but they never told me that. What? I didn't interview. <laughs> didn't have to interview. I didn't have to take the MCAT. They accepted me on the basis of Your masters. Uh, the 3.85. 3 so that open door was still an open door for you. It was still an open door. I just didn't know it was open. Uh, but it did push me to better myself. Of course. Because I, I, you know, I broke that 500 on the actual MCAT, which, you know, yeah. I always thought I could do, which I mean, 502 is not great. It, you know, yeah. it's still. All right. So, so let me, let me walk through these scores. If I, if I remember 22. Yes. 484. Right. 495. Yeah. What was the next one? 502. 502, 502, or just the 502 was the next one? There was just one more. Yeah, 502 was after the 495. Okay, all right. That was the last one. But I got accepted with the 495. You got accepted pre, yeah. I never got to update my application with the 502. Yeah. And so I'm here now. What? What? (laughs) I I told you this would be the most bizarre. I just can't can't imagine... I could, I I could only imagine what it was like to go to your wife, go to your kids. Like I'm like tearing up just thinking about what's going on. Like what, what was that like to go to them and go, I did it. We did it. You know, when I opened that letter and I'll get teary eyed when I think about it, when I, when I opened that email, because I thought it was the email saying, this is how you resubmit your MCAT score. And I opened that email and the first word was congratulations. I, I hit the floor. I mean, it's, it's, you're looking at from 1991 to 2022. So 31 years pre-med, so to speak. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I mean, the emotions that came out of me, I mean, I bawled on that floor for probably two hours. My wife was at work. My kids are in the room. They're thinking, what in the world's going on with dad, you know? Um, you know, maybe, you know, he's a little Pentecostal, so maybe he's having one of those <laughs> spiritual things going on. <laughs> but, just, uh, I mean, just let him, let him be. I, mean, I cried my, I mean, <clears throat> all the frustrations of all the other times when I failed because I, I, I would get emotional, but I tell myself, you know, if, if you let the emotions overtake you, you're, you're not going to finish this. You, you're going to, you're going to veer away from it. You know, so when mother died, you know, and she'd already taught, all taught, you know, my son's going to be a doctor. My son's going to be a doctor. She wasn't here to see me yeah. except medical school, you know. Um, by uh, one of my pre-med advisors who wrote one of my letters to get me in also passed away. And so he wasn't here to, to see it happen. And, you know, it's just a flood of emotion. And it's just like, I can't believe it finally happened, you know, 2022. Yeah. I got accepted to medical school. You did it. Yeah. You did it. What was it like putting on your white coat for the first time? You know, that's, that's the thing that was so weird for me is that, you know, I felt like once that white coat hits my shoulders, you know, uh, aura is going to come around me. And, you know, it's it, it's it, nothing it, special. It, it, it didn't hit me. It, it, yeah. it didn't hit me. It's kind of like, here we go again. You know, yeah. We're back on the roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, it, it was a proud moment. My wife and my kids were there. Um, had a 17 year old daughter. Wow. And, uh, you know, she's a senior. I'm missing her entire senior year of high school and my other daughter's a freshman. I'm going to, you know, we're in these four years simultaneously. So I'm missing all four years of her high school. Uh, my son's eight. He's... So when you say missing, you're, you're living apart from your family again? 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm oh, four and a half hours away from my family. I'm in Jonesboro, Arkansas. My family's in Bentonville, which is the extreme northwest yeah. side of Arkansas. I'm Complete on opposite. Northeast. Yeah. And so we're uh, four and a half hours away. They come up about every, maybe every other weekend, every third weekend. We see each other every night, you know, um, we Zoom or we FaceTime and you know, talk to my kids about their day and tell them what I'm doing. You know, dad's dissecting the body so they yeah. you know they get creeped out with that but you know we we had a long talk before i left you know we all got in the in the master bedroom sat on my bed and like this is what dad's doing this is why dad's doing it yeah. um I, I hope you guys have been able to see my resilience because you know i went out in the master's program and i failed you know dad didn't do too well on this exam but i'm gonna make it up on the next one i want you guys to do the same thing don't give up so you know um they were very proud you know telling all their friends my dad's going to medical school he's almost 50 so, <laughs> you know my wife you know she she's been in my corner the whole time she's yeah. always pushing me and she's like um she actually got me a, a a mug when i first started and she put dr antonio patterson md slash do because we didn't know which way i was going but she said uh, doctor to be and she was always encouraging me you know uh you know this is what you've been fighting for i'm fighting with you yeah um and you got to pay off all this other debt that you've incurred <laughs> so uh so, so it was just a culmination of so yeah. many things you know i mean it's just a great feeling to have finally gotten here and i'm um doing well you know good it's the hardest thing i've ever done in my life but of i'm course. doing well so here's here's the one question was it worth it? 100%. Absolutely worth every step along the way. Because uh, I'm a better person because of it, you know, uh, and I, I'll be, I think every doctor is not a good doctor, you know, but I think I'll be a better doctor because of the road that it took for me to get where I am and, and where I'll be in the future. Um, it made my family stronger. You know, we, we went through some tough times together financially, uh, you know, spiritually, emotionally with, you know, the, the loss of loved ones uh, through that. And, um, you know, I, I kind of developed a greater sense of what people need, not just patients, but what people need, you know, um, uh, uh, to make it in life. And so I, I think I have more of myself as a person to share with people um, to go along with what I will have to share in the future as a physician, if that makes any sense. All right, so there you have it. Again, that's Antonio, 49-year-old pastor to pre-med to now medical student sharing his journey. Hopefully this was motivational for you, maybe a little inspiration to let you know that no matter where you are on your path, you can do this and you can take any route you want to do this. Antonio's story is an awesome one, and hopefully it helped you with your journey. Don't forget to check out blueprintmcat.com and go use their free study planner tool to create your schedule today. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.